Energy pulls northwest. that we can build a world-class power system. Power to the people. The Northwest is blessed with abundant supplies of renewable hydropower. Wind, solar, technology, innovation, climate change. Nation's largest fish and wildlife the program. The natural hydroelectric power resources belonging to the people of the United States shall remain forever. Energy pulls Northwest. All right, so... This is the first podcast. It's called Energy Pulse Northwest. We decided to call it that because... It's kind of reflective of our role within the region. We do a lot of interesting and meaningful work. I originally thought this will be a great platform to talk about fish and wildlife projects. And science, innovation, business. I'm Kevin Wingard. I'm Sarah Smith with Bonneville Power. I'm David Wilson and you're not. (laughs) And I'm Joel Scruggs and we're all part of BPA's communications team. I'm digging it. Uh, What are we going to be talking about today? Well, so it just so happened when we were brainstorming about launching our podcast, we happened to be announcing selection of our new deputy administrator. So we had a chance to sit down with Dan James and get his thoughts about coming on board, what appealed to him about the job. And then people that don't know him, I think they will have a better sense of what he's all about. Let's roll it. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. We're sitting down today and chatting with our new deputy administrator, Dan James. Nice to be here. So let's start with the basic bio stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about your story, where you were born and raised? Sure. I was born in Missoula, Montana, uh, shortly after my parents graduated from the university. Hey everybody, let's go to Montana. I grew up in a Kalispell, which was a, a, a terrific place to grow up. Was very active in music and athletics, but I was also the kid that liked social studies. And once I came out to Pacific University in Forest Grove, initially uh, because of a football scholarship, I discovered political science as a passion and that turned into an internship in Washington, D.C. and a job on Capitol Hill working for an Oregon member of Congress, Lessa Coyne. And except for my time in Washington and Hoquiam and Kalispell, I've lived in Portland. And I live in Northeast Portland with my wife, Becky, and daughters, Katie and Julia, and two dogs. Shifting gears a little bit, can you walk us through your career leading up to this point? The common theme for me seems to be working for people of the rural Northwest. After my time on Capitol Hill and a few more years working at my alma mater, Pacific University, I went to work at the Pacific Northwest Waterways Association. And my job was added just after the first salmon listings because the board thought that that might be kind of a big issue and that they really ought to staff up a little bit. That was 1992. I spent nine years at at, uh, PNWA and then went to work in the government affairs practice of Baljanic, a Portland-based law firm. And I was one of the people that lived in Portland and commuted back and forth between Portland and Washington, D.C. And I had the fortune of having clients and projects throughout Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and Montana. Those were the members that I also served when I was at the Waterways Association. And so I've always thought essentially about the Bonneville Service Territory throughout my career. Let's talk about PNGC. Some of our listeners may not be familiar with that organization. Others probably know you well from it. Can you explain who they are and what they do? Sure. PNGC Power is a a Portland-based generation and transmission cooperative, which is a a term of art in the the co-op world. There are 15 
uh, electric co-op members or owners from Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and Montana, and their headquarters are in those states, but they actually serve a total of seven states in the Northwest. PNGC is, is an aggregator, so they hold the contract with BPA, and their members um, contract with PNGC for the power supply. The reason to do that is because um, some of them need additional resources above what they would acquire from BPA, and so PNGC gets to do it together as opposed to um, each of them doing it individually. How will your experience best serve you as deputy administrator? Leaving the other key elements of the deputy's agenda aside, I think I have a good handle on the role that BPA plays in each of the four Northwest states, and there are differences and there are nuances. I also think I have a good handle on the evolving role of Northwest governors have played in policy um, related to BPA, especially with the emergence of the Northwest Power and Conservation Council and its relationship to Bonneville. I also understand that there was a time when one of the easiest things to um, make happen in Washington, D.C. was to get every representative and senator from four Northwest states to agree to something related to Bonneville. And I've seen the evolution. There are more differences of opinion. The salmon listings have been one of them, and the proliferation of distributed resources, uh, variable renewables, has really uh, changed that dynamic somewhat. It's made even more complicated now with the emergence of West Coast energy markets and uh, different perspectives based upon um, the, the history that we've had the last 10 to 20 years. Do you have a most memorable work-related story? Well, there are several, but there is one that was very stressful, but it had a happy ending. When I was a young staffer on Capitol Hill, I was sent from Congressman O'Coin's office in the House to walk over to the Senate to pick up Governor Atia in Senator Hatfield's office and walk him to the Capitol to meet Congressman O'Coin outside of a uh, secure hearing room. It was at the basement of the Capitol. And I was absolutely sure that I knew where I was going, but in the, the labyrinth of hallways and passageways in the Capitol, I got lost with the Governor of Oregon. And that was one of the only times that I remember looking down the hallway and not seeing a Capitol Hill policeman or another staffer. And I felt my heart begin to race and beat fast and a little bit of sweat emerge on my forehead. And, and the governor, he began to become a little bit anxious, but we eventually found our way and we weren't late. But one of the nice things that happened is after I left Capitol Hill and went back to work at Pacific, Governor Atiyah joined the Board of Trustees and I um, got a chance to work with him a few times. And he never failed to uh, remind me that I was the young man that got him lost in the basement of the Capitol. <laughs> and every time that he would tell that story, it would embellish. I mean, before you know it, we, we were lost for days. Um, <laughs> so it was a very stressful moment for a, a young Capitol Hill staffer, but I can now smile about it. <laughs> What was the most appealing part about coming to BPA as the new deputy administrator? I'm very committed to public power, I'm all in. And uh, because of my role at PNGC, and, and really going all the way back to being at the Waterways Association, I see the importance of BPA to our region and the unique gift that we have in terms of the FCRPS. As I've worked closely with so many people at, at BPA, 
I was attracted to their commitment to public service and their commitment to the region. When I think about what Bonneville does, I think about my neighbors and friends where I grew up in, in Kalispell, Montana, uh, some of whom are living very well and others who are struggling. And I think about friends that I know that are unemployed loggers who have a hard time paying their bills. And I know that we need to do our jobs right with those people in mind. I also recognize that I'm making a shift from being a representative of a large public utility to one um, that serves a variety of stakeholders with a variety of, of legal obligations and moral obligations, I believe. So this is a, an opportunity for me to take everything that I know to serve the agency and to serve the citizens of the Northwest. And I'm really excited to get started. And what has it been like for you since we announced you would be our new deputy in early May? It has been humbling in a way. If someone were to ask me what is the most important thing in my work life, I would say it's my community. And that has been public power. It's been the industries around the river. It's been you know, working to get to know people who I disagree with. I worked on Capitol Hill at a time when people were friends, uh, even if they, they passionately disagreed about things. I think that personal connections can help get people past their professional disagreements. And that kind of support from the people that I've been working with in the renewables industry, the environmental community, the tribal community, demonstrates to me that I have even more of an opportunity to truly be a representative of the agency for all. When we look at your responsibilities as deputy, it's a long list. Notably, you'll be responsible for leadership, strategic planning, financial management, and regulatory affairs as well as intergovernmental and public affairs oversight. Understanding you'll need time to settle into the job and take a closer look at things. What's at the top of your to-do list? There are several key transitions uh, that are happening throughout the agency. I'm well aware of the gray tsunami that we're seeing both at Bonneville and externally. And so one of my biggest goals is to spend as much time as possible with people who have been the institutional memory. Spending time with Claudia Andrews and Nancy Mittmenner, for example, are, are two. I also look forward to spending time in the field. Those are the people that represent the agency with our stakeholders and with our customers. So I'm hopeful that in my first six months that I will have spent as much time as possible with the people that won't be here to learn how they do things and to learn their perspectives. And that doesn't happen with one conversation. It happens just being around but also to be able to be out there in the field. Those are my priorities, and I also know that I need to be nimble and be willing to flex when other things come up. Looking at the big picture, what are some of the notable opportunities and challenges you see facing BPA at this time? Every generation of BPA employees has left the agency in a better place, and those who are here now have a deep responsibility to honor their legacy by adapting to the new realities and challenges. If I were to think about one thing that will always be in the back of my mind at this position is, what does BPA need to do in working with the region and with all stakeholders to become cost competitive as we approach the end of the current long-term contracts? To me, that's the lens that we need to be looking at our obligations through. What do you expect out of BPA employees as the new deputy administrator? 
for me, the biggest priority is a commitment to safety and excellence in all that we do. And in a business like BPA, where there are issues that are a matter of life and death, I think that always taking the time to do it right is paramount. Another one is that I'll always remember that I'm spending someone else's money. It's my unemployed friend who lives in a trailer in Columbia Falls, Montana, and has to think about paying his electric bill, as well as feeding his kids and putting gas in his pickup. And keeping the, the big picture in mind as we focused on the minutia of our day-to-day -day work to understand your role in this big thing, even as you think about whatever it is you have to accomplish by the end of the day or, or before lunch. Which leadership trait is most important to you and why? Honesty and trust, empathy, doing what's right even when no one will ever know what you did or didn't do. I've got a, an anecdote from when I was a student at Pacific. I worked in the football office and one of my jobs was to call potential recruits. And one time I went into the office and I saw that my call sheet for that night were Montana prefixes that included um, Missoula and Bozeman. And I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to call my buddies at Montana and Montana State. And then I looked up on the wall and there was this little card and it had this, this statement, character's what you do when no one's looking. And it's always stayed with me. What do we do just because it's the right thing to do, even if no one will ever know? To me, that is the sign of a good leader. What are your biggest pet peeves? Dishonesty, hypocrisy, mean people, and probably the phrase that I like the least, someone who begins a statement by saying somebody should, because that always means I think this is important, but somebody else should do it. I like to think that if I think something is important and I have the capability of doing it, I ought to be willing to step up and do it myself. So what inspires you? There are some people that inspire me. My mother is the hero of my life. My brother, the music teacher. My wife and daughters, who are strong, capable women. People who give selflessly. I have a friend in Northeast Portland who gave a kidney to a friend. And I'm not sure that it'll ever be possible for me to give that kind of gift. So that will always be a touchstone for me. The hymns of the Episcopal Church hymnal inspire me. I sing them to myself in times of, of stress or sorrow or fear. And the music of Bruce Springsteen. And then finally, the mountains of Western Montana. All those give us a little more insight into who you are. Thank you for sharing that. So as we wrap up, can you tell us more about your musical family and your passion for music? My family and I go to the Trinity Episcopal Cathedral here in Portland, and I'm on a brief hiatus from the choir, but I've had the, the benefit of singing and touring with two longtime BPA employees, uh, Pat Zimmer and Wayne Litzenberger. I, by the way, I'm the only non-music teacher in my immediate family, so I, I refer to myself as the black sheep. Um, my dad was a high school choir director and football coach. He also won the Metropolitan Opera auditions for the West Coast when I was a little boy, but chose 
not to go to New York, but to raise us in the mountains of Western Montana, because that's where he was from. My parents will say that their greatest legacy next to my brother and I is being two of the founders of the Glacier Corral and Symphony, which is located in Kalispell. My heroes were always tenors who played linebacker. When I was in junior high, you know, one of the big guys in Kalispell who I especially respected was Larry Beckedall. He was a longtime leader in transmission here at BPA, and he was a linebacker who sang tenor. That was the kind of guy that I saw myself being, and I never failed to try to embarrass him, um, to talk about him as my hero when I was in junior high. And this isn't about me, but my sister-in-law, Eve, that works here, she and my brother and a guy that my brother played rock and roll with in college have a children's group called Uncle B, Auntie E, and J-Dog. And they have played here down at the Children's Center and Bill and Eve sang for the BPA 75th up at Bonneville Dam. So uh, I get to bask in their radiance. Turn off that light, save electricity. Turn off that light, save electricity. Lights are all right until you leave the room. Then turn off that light, save electricity. Say, can you see by the dawn's early light? I have sung the national anthem at some meetings, but most of the time people don't really think of me that way. So there is a certain amount of what's Dan James doing? Um, <laughs> but it, kind of coming back to my family, our dad did it at you know, all of my football games, all of our wrestling tournaments. So wherever we were, Everybody knew if Doug James was around, he could sing the national anthem. And so I was going to do it at the meeting of, of one of the statewide uh, utility trade associations. And just before I, I went on, my brother called me. And he goes, remember, remember what dad would tell you. Think of your first note and then go three down. Because you can really put yourself in a world of hurt at the end if you start too high. So, and think about it, right? It ends really high. And if you don't start right, you can be in a bad place. So, I do that occasionally, and it's always an honor. And before we step away from the topic of music, what are your top three Springsteen songs? Uh, Land of Hope and Dreams is one. Should I Fall Behind is another one. I actually heard the words red at a wedding once because it's a lovely song and it's about staying together. And I think um, probably Thunder Road would be third. Land of Hope and Dreams though, it kind of weaves in my faith. The live version's even better. Any other hobbies or interests that you want to share? Sure. I really like to travel. I'm a history nut. I'm a, a political junkie. Um, I love going out to hear live music of all kinds. 
I grew up hunting and fishing, and I really hope to return to fishing. And I would say that my happy place is Western Montana, where I can spend time at our cabin up in Glacier Park. What do you think is the best thing about living in the Pacific Northwest? The only other place that I've lived is, is in Washington, D.C., and I, I wouldn't pretend to say that that's a, a normal place, but a lot more uh, focus seems to be uh, put on what you do, your job, your, your home, your degree, your status. I think that we place a greater emphasis on the other quality of life issues here in the Northwest. And for me, I get to live in progressive Northeast Portland, but think about people in the areas that we serve. So that's really the best of both worlds. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? I hope that people will come up and introduce themselves to me, no matter what, no matter where I am. And I hope that people will be willing to, to teach me. And I hope they'll be patient with me. And Bonneville is an agency full of smart people, most of whom had other options, but they have chosen to be here, as have I. And I respect that, and I say thank you for that. Thank you for helping our listeners get to know you better, Dan, and we look forward to seeing you out there. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Wow, Joel, that was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that interview. Yeah, he's one of those people, you talk to him for five minutes and you feel like you've known him for years and he's really excited to get started. So I think we're very fortunate to have him. So later on this summer, we're going to have more podcasts. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about what's coming up next. I had a chance to go hang out with the folks at the High Voltage Lab in Vancouver and they have one of the coolest jobs. They get to make lightning. It's Mythbuster type stuff. And then we're also going to dig a little deeper into the Woody Guthrie story, where we're going to talk to the author who wrote the most recent book on Woody Guthrie. Very cool. About his employment. His 26 songs in a month at BPA, yep. all about the Columbia River. Thanks for listening. Spawned upon the King Columbia by the Big Grand Coulee Dam. Energy Pulse Northwest is a production of the Bonneville Power Administration.